Hey, everybody, Dave Hagan here. Age 28 with a quarter million dollars in the bank? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. We're, we're here at Uncle Studios in Van Nuys, and it's time for another podcast. So Brian Reed is here with me today. Welcome, Brian. Good to see you. How's it going, D? Always good. Always good. So... I saw an article in the LA Times recently by Kathleen Elkins, and she was talking about a guy named Sean, who's 28 years old and had a quarter million dollars in the bank and was going to retire at 37. And after I got over my envy of that, I'm thinking, wow, this is something I need to know a little bit more about. And so Sean's got a a blog called My Money Wizard, and I went and checked it out. And um, here are some of the things that I, I learned from this. Very interesting. Um, first, Sean's a fake name. That's a, a, a name that he uses on the blog. And I'm thinking, wow, is there a truthfulness issue here? No. The more I thought about it was, if Sean's got a quarter million dollars in the bank, he doesn't want sales calls from insurance people and accountants and all the other people that want to invest his money or sell him stuff. So I guess it kind of... Uh, Kind of makes sense to, to uh, you know, to have a a fake name that you're using on the blog. I remember years ago I had a client that, that called me a number of years after he had filed for bankruptcy, actually, and he wanted to thank me for all of the money that he had in the bank. He said I've been able to save up some money, and it's a it's a nice little chunk of money. And you talked to me about some of these um, uh, principles of saving money and reducing my overhead and. I didn't care because I was getting called and sued and all the other stuff, but you, you were insistent that we spend a little bit of time talking about this. And he said, I'm just calling to say thanks. And I, I thought for a minute, and I said, wow, that's, that's nice that you'd even remember my name after these years, and it was a pleasure to be of service to you, and I'm, I'm glad that somebody listens to me. And um, I said, uh, well, how much, how much you got in the bank? My, my curiosity got the best of me, and he said, I... I got a couple hundred thousand. And I said, well, that's phenomenal what you've been able to put together. And he said, well, some of it I made in the market, but I couldn't have made money in the market if I didn't have some money in the bank. And, um, you know, I, I made a point to to save half of my bonuses and create a lifestyle where I can list, uh, live on my, my base pay. And um, it's surprising how quickly it grows when you're not paying that much attention. You put into place some some parameters that are going to cause you to put money aside. And I said, well, that's phenomenal. What else? And he says, well, you know, I've, I've got some problems that come along with this. He says, I get calls from people that somehow they know that I've got money in the bank and, and they want to sell me this or they want me to do this or that. And I said, well, you know, every stage in life comes with its downsides. And he says, well, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not complaining. But, you know, there's something that goes along with, with every place that you're at in your life. So I think that maybe Sean did the right thing by using a, um, a different name on his website. Second thing I learned, he saves more than 60% of his $80,000 a year salary 
At least that's what he says. That means he's living on about $25,000 a year. Now, I'm telling you, Sean doesn't live in L.A. because you can't hardly get rent for $25,000 a year. Turns out he lives in uh, Minneapolis. But um, um, he's saving an awful lot of money. He's got to be living an awful, frugal lifestyle. Um, Third thing. Sean points out that the uh, average American spends about 70% of their income on three areas, housing, transportation, and food. And this was the most interesting thing to me because these relate to everybody, everybody, our listeners and everybody. He says that saving on these three areas are the best way to get ahead. So I wanted to see what he said about these three areas. First, he talked about um, housing, and our recommendation has always been, my recommendation has always been that we try and keep housing under 30% of our income. Hard to do. Hard to do in Southern California, but it's really a good goal. Um, in fact, I was looking at um, uh, a neighborhood in Calabasas recently, and I saw a, a rental, 2,500-square-foot house, renting for $6,000 a month. Oof. <laughs> Who does that? And apparently there's several places in this neighborhood, and this is a very nice neighborhood, don't get me wrong, but it's not, it's not Beverly Hills, for goodness sakes. Um, and 2,500 square feet isn't the mansion, and there's people that are rolling up $6,000 a month. So um, either they're making just a big slug of money every year, they're, they're overpaying. But uh, Sean was talking about ways to save on the housing costs. And the first thing he talked about was, you know, he, he splits rent or um, mortgage. So he makes his girlfriend pay half the rent. And if, if that works for Sean, that, that's good. I, I think that's a good way to, to put some, some money aside. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to rent or pay too much um, if you can help it. Now he talks about, you know, um, don't worry about having stainless steel appliances in the house. And I get that. But, uh, you know, I started thinking, wow, harvest gold or avocado green appliances. That was, that was freaking me out a little bit, but, uh, large square footage places need to be heated and, and cooled. And, uh, especially in the Los Angeles area, um, it's pretty expensive to heat and cool um, um, your premises. So that's something that you can look at uh, saving if, you're, if your house is an appropriate size or your apartment, for that matter, is an appropriate size. Um, large yards need water, and that's something that we think about or consider in um, the Southern California area where water's you know at a, at a premium. So all these auxiliary costs can add to the, the housing and and really make sure that you're spending a, a lot of extra money that you might not need to need to spend. Um, you know, it seemed to me that we should consider the, you know, the, the short-term pain and the long-term gain um, on our housing. You know, when you're just getting going, maybe you don't need the biggest place. But within reason, within reason, you don't want to live in a shack with an avocado green uh, dishwasher <laughs> and, a, and an uh, harvest gold... Uh, 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 you know, um, a refrigerator and, um, you know, really live in a hovel just so that you could, you could retire early. Sean says on his, on his podcast, don't use a mortgage calculator to figure out what you can afford. Look at your income and expenses and decide what you choose to afford, not what you can afford because those calculators are put out there by mortgage companies and, and, and other people that want you to spend perhaps more than you necessarily 
um, should. Maybe even, maybe even consider moving to a cheaper city. You know, it's so expensive in LA. Maybe people move a little more to the out uh, the outskirts if there's work that that's out there that uh, that they can get. As Sean, for example, moved from Denver to. Uh, uh, Minneapolis, and uh, you know that works for him. He's he's got lower overhead, um, so good for him. The second area he talked about was transportation, and we like to recommend that uh, transportation be under twenty percent of somebody's income. Now, again, that's that's really tough in L.A., um, especially in a in in a you know L.A. where everybody's posing and and driving around in these really big cars showing off that they either have this phenomenal income or they really overspend on their, um, you know, their, their transportation. I remember back in the day as a kid, the first time I saw a Mercedes on the street and I went, Oh wow, look at that. I mean, out here, like every other, every other cars, are Mercedes, cars are Mercedes. Mercedes, like a Mercedes <laughs> is like nothing. In fact, I think it wasn't it owned by Chrysler or something for a while. So, um, you know, not the thing that it used to be, but now they're all driving, um, Bugattis or, or Lam, not Lam, you, know, you see Lamborghinis out here, but uh, all sorts of different kind of cars and people are spending just a ton. Sean says on his blog that in, in 2018, people, Americans are spending an average of $523 a month on their car for their car payment. And wow. I tell people, keep it, keep it under three, keep it in the threes if you can. And in fact, zero's better. We really liked zero at the Financial <laughs> Wellness Podcast. We talked about paying cash for cars. Um, now here, maybe we're more extreme than, than Sean, you know? Pay cash and drive around an older car. Uh, we won't charge our girlfriend rent, but uh, we'll, drive a, we'll drive a smaller <laughs> car maybe, right? Oh my goodness. We, we advise people to drive, you know, at least a two-year-old car. You buy a car that's two years old, you're going to pay half, half sticker. You know, that's a nice bit of depreciation that you're not going to have to pay for. And a two-year-old car is practically brand new. That's a nice car. It's still got warranty on it. Um, we tell people, uh, you know, pay cash. Uh, we tell people, hey, buy an eccentric car. You know, position yourself as an eccentric. Drive a Carmen Ghia. I mean, that's a classy old car, and it's basically a fancy shell on a VW. Um, drive a Porsche 914, that little flat, squatty Porsche with the removable roof. Maybe not that safe on a California freeway, but a cool little car. There's even a car out there called an Opel GT. Wanted one when I was younger. Little tiny two-seater with a little handle that you pull back and forth and the, the headlights flip out, kind of like bug eyes. <laughs> fun little car, fun little car, and you're an eccentric. There's tons of other cars to be an eccentric. You're not going to pay that much. You know, um, save money on gas. And this is Sean talking now. Um, he says carpool. Dave talking says, get an electric car. I'm, I'm so big into electric vehicles. Sean says, use public transportation. And, you know, I think there's times when you can do that and it makes a lot of sense. I live uh, in a suburb outside of L.A. And when I go to a seminar downtown, for example, I'll, I'll take the, uh, uh, you know, I'll take the bus. And the bus leads to the subway and the subway comes up pretty near where a lot of these seminars are. And I pay two dollars two dollars to get down and back and that's instead of 30 35 dollars to park plus the depreciation on the vehicle the mileage the gas not for me the gas but the electric at the house 
Um, and I'll do the same thing with uh, a Laker game. I can go down to the Laker game, park across the street, $30, $35 to park. That's all well and good. But I can take the bus to the subway. Now, it does take a little longer. And come up about five blocks away and walk, go to a restaurant, go to the game. And if I feel at the end of the game that I want to get home a little sooner or if um, I want to, um, uh, you know, if I'm worried about the, the savoriness of the crowd, like if it was a Laker loss, um, I won't get on the subway. Maybe what I'll do is I'll go and uh, Uber home. So there's, there's ways to do that, to spend less. And, and in, uh, many times I find that instead of fighting the traffic, um, I show up cooler and calmer when I um, use one of these transportation services. And it's nice to it's nice to save the money. I mean, clearly we can afford it, but it's nice to save the money. Sean says, if you live close, drive a bike on a nice day. Of course, Sean says drive a bike every day, and I think that's a little that's a little much. Sean might be a little extreme. He's charging his girlfriend rent and driving a bike to work. Uh, hey, I'm okay with that. Look, there's you know there are a couple. She she you know. I don't know. They have. The, the gal's thinking, how do I explain this all when I take him home to the parents and we show up on a tandem? Um, but I think that there's things that we can learn from this, even though we might not be as extreme as Sean. Um, the third area was, was food. Um, you know, he explains that it's never easier, never been easier to get food delivered. And that's true. Have you seen that new app, Postmates? Do you ever use that, Brian? No. What is it? Well, Postmates like a food delivery service. And they add like, I don't know, 10 or 12% onto the bill. And there's a lot of restaurants that, you know, will work with Postmates. So you go to Postmates and they got the menus from like your favorite restaurants and you order it and the, the guy just shows up and there's all your food and the little, you know, styrofoam thing. It's super, super handy. And you go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to drive that five miles over to my favorite Mediterranean place. Eh, I'll just have it delivered. Super cool. Nice. But it adds up. It adds up. You know, Sean says that the average American spends $70,000 on takeout and delivery over their lifetime. Wow, I'd like to have $70,000 more in my pocket, <laughs> you know, when I retire. It's something to, something to think about. I've often thought about, well, what if I just decided my whole life, my whole life, I wasn't going to eat, um, well, say drink um, Diet Pepsis. And that's, that's what I like to drink. What if I just decided I was going to make a conscious choice just to drink water instead? How much more money would I have in my pocket at the end of my life if I hadn't sent it over to Pepsi-Cola Company? And my insides would probably be a lot better because I wouldn't have all that phosphorus and diet, whatever, whatever's in there. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about when you kind of um, stretch it out over a, you know, over a lifetime. So getting back to the, the food and, and, and getting away from the drink issue... Part of part of our, our food and part of going out for food is, is entertainment. You meet your friends, you get together, you go out with your friends. So we need to include some of our entertainment budget into that food budget. But it's something that we should think about in terms of food that's delivered, food that we go out and get, because food that is that we're getting from somewhere else has some other person's labor factored in. I mean, that's that's why we go to the restaurant because someone else made it and someone else cleans it up. And we need to factor that and we need to think about that. It makes our food budget, our entertainment budget a little bit bigger. Um, in fact, I was thinking in, in Los Angeles, they're talking about increasing the minimum wage to $15. And I think that's all well and good. 
Um, I think that there's many arguments that can be made that that's an appropriate thing to do. But I also was thinking, wow, if the cost of a hamburger at McDonald's go to, goes to $8, I may decide that, you know, I don't need that many hamburgers during the month. Uh, I'd rather have that money in my pocket and, um, uh, you know, I'll probably be a, a little healthier because of it. So um, there certainly is, you know, that labor cost built into the food. And we need to, to know about that. And we also get better food if we eat at home. You know, they make things tasty in restaurants by putting stuff into it, whether it's chemicals or, or oil or whatever it is. And that's why it, it's so tasty. I remember back when I was younger, I would go to the, I would go down to the, to the beach and I would um, run on this path by the water and I'd have these phenomenal runs. Um, and then on my way back, I would stop for a chicken burrito. Now, you know, a little bit of lettuce, a little bit of warmed up chicken wrapped around a burrito. And yeah, the burrito's got some lard in it, but I'm, I'm running, right? Well, I was, I was putting on weight with this regimen. I'm going, how can this happen? Chicken burritos and, and running on the beach. I should be, you know, just this phenomenal uh, in-shape athlete at this point. And then I realized why I was putting on weight when I poked my head around one time and, and watched them making the, the burrito because they would take the, the chicken and put it on the grill and then they literally took melted lard and put it onto the chicken, which was why it was so darn tasty. <laughs> and so I'm eating larded chicken three times a week, and it's no wonder why the scale was barking at me, you know? <laughs> so um, I figured out a way to, you know, eat some salads and things at home, and it was probably a lot better for me. But the point of the story is, wow, you don't know what they're putting into the food. You know, you don't know whether there's MSG or lard or whatever it is. And you're going to have just better food if you're, if you're eating at home. And, and cooking at home is a great way to not only save money, but also to, to eat better. So, wow, what are the takeaways then that we have here from, from Sean's blog and from this article that I read in the Times? Well, first and foremost, that we spend 70% on the big three. And I hadn't really thought about that, but if you take 30% recommended, our recommended guideline for food and, or for transfer for housing and 20% for transportation, that's 50%, and another 20% for food, maybe a little entertainment worked in there, yeah, it really does take up a lot of our money if you think about that. And certainly where we spend money is where we could potentially save it. So that was the first thing that really surprised me. Secondly, uh, takeaway uh, Sean's an extreme dude. <laughs> he's he's getting ready to retire, and and he's got his thing planned out. And I boy, I might take my hat off to him because he's got a plan and he's executing on it. But um, he's an extreme dude. Although we were a little more extreme than him potentially in in a couple areas. The third thing is Sean's going to retire at thirty seven, and that sounds kind of interesting too to be able to retire at thirty seven and. I guess the definition of being able to retire would be the interest on his investments is sufficient um, to sustain him month to month. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and if he's renting and, and doing these other things that are pretty extreme, I, I guess that's, that's possible. Although, what I really was interested in is what's Sean going to do when he's 38? This is Dave Hagan. And you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. 
If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right. Somebody sent us in an audio email. Can we cue that up and listen? Hi, David. My name is Teresa. Uh, I'm about 27 years old, and I just got a job offer at a position that a company that I have been dying to work for. I love their mission. I love what they stand for. You know, I'm very excited about the opportunity to be able to work with them. My only issue is um, they pay significantly less than the job that I'm currently at. Uh, I don't love my current position, you know, but the pay is, is pretty good. Um, but I, I don't feel passionate about it. Um, so my question for you is, do you think it's a wise decision to, to leave my financially, you know, secure job, um, to go work at this other, this other company? Um, am I risking my long-term financial wellness? Wow. Teresa, here's the answer to your question. Go for it. Live your passion. (laughs) What do you think, Brian? You know, it's it's a uh, it's a financially stable job. All right, no, I mean, I guess I would wonder: is there upward movement in the job that she's going to be happier in? Can she get to that point financially that she's at her current position? Um, you know, so maybe it's a little lean for two years, but after two years with this new company, then she can advance and you know get back to what she was making. But go for it. I mean, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, live your dream. Live your dream. But, 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 but you need to put in place a plan where you can live on that lower amount. You need to put in place a plan to understand and deal with the fact that it might not have the advancement that you want. But if you do that, live your dream. I remember listening to a speaker one time and he said, you know, if you love what you do, you never have to work another day in your life. And isn't that so true? I've met so many people over my life that just go into work, they do the nine to five, they sit in a cubicle, they stamp the paperwork and they leave and they hate it. And they don't like their life because they hate their job. Okay, so they're giving up five days a week out of seven for something they hate to do. They're living just for the other two days. Why not set something else up where you can do what you love and then have those other five days back? I don't know. That just makes sense to me. Now, yeah, you're giving up the security. Yeah, you're giving up a little bit higher pay, but I don't know. Being 27, pursue your dream. If you were telling me you're 45 with two kids, maybe that's a different thing. Now you got different responsibilities. But at 27... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know a fella, one of the happiest, most content people that I know, and his his job is designing parts. He designs uh, uh, like engine parts, 
And his idea of a good time is going into work. So if someone said, hey, Bill, you won the lottery. You can do whatever you want. What are you going to do tomorrow? And Bill would say, you know, I think I'm going into my shop. I'm working on this part. And this other guy's going to call me and we're going to set this up. And that's what I like to do. He's got his shop set up. He's got some nice background music. He's got some really cool posters. And uh, that's his idea of a good time. And he makes money doing it. So I don't know. Pursue your passion. Now, this is... uh, Maybe it's really a millennial thought because, you know, what? people coming out of the the, uh, the Great Depression or people coming up in the 50s, 60s, they put up with so much at work just to be able to take care of themselves and their family and this and that. Millennials a little bit more, um, hey, I want to be fulfilled. I want to be self-actualized. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that um, people are thinking about taking the jobs that they take these days. But Teresa, I don't know. I don't know. If I were you, I think I'd pursue that dream. But but, but, but again, you have to take into account what that's going to do to other parts of your life and make that uh, part of your plan. All right, that's all we have time for today. Tune in next week. We got another interesting thing to drop on you. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.